Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers and another guest mentor interview. And this week's guest mentor, absolutely inspiring. Delighted to share her with you. Her name is Quinn S.C. Thong. And Quinn has worked and led many finance as well as non-finance teams on multiple continents. And outside of our finance profession has actually leveraged her skills to develop an amazing social enterprise, award-winning social enterprise, be it. And the great thing about this interview is, is Quinn is just so easy to talk with. We have a great uh, time together on air and off air. But what you might find very relevant from our conversation is a few key areas. First up, I guess Quinn's got a massive focus on learning and we deconstruct what we mean by strategic learning and the importance of expanding our skill sets as accountants, so just not resting on our laurels, particularly if we want to remain relevant and, and deliver an impact in our work, whether in our organizations or outside. We were also really fortunate to have Quinn on the show because we also go into some of the learnings as you transition from being a finance controller type role into a finance leader and an organizational leader having responsibility for an entire company and then having to do that all again in a different continent. A particular area of Quinn's experiences that is is really awesome is how she shares some really cool stories about setting up an amazing social enterprise in Bhutan, empowering local villagers and craftspeople to earn an income and supply their produce globally. So Quinn shares some fantastic learnings on how to go about developing such an awesome social enterprise, putting our skills, our finance skills to use there. And then we, we had some very fun conversations about various frameworks that we use in helping us to accomplish our goals in, in not only our current roles, but beyond into the future as well. So look, hope you enjoyed this conversation and getting to know Quinn as much as I did. You could definitely show your appreciation by subscribing to our show and recommending us to your friends and colleagues. We're on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And if you wanted to find out more about Quinn, detailed timestamp show notes, transcripts, and more, you can find that at sitnshow.com. And I guess that's enough for me for now. So without further ado, over to Quinn on the show. Quinn, welcome to the show. Hi, Andrew. Hey, look, it's a pleasure to have you with us. And again, I've got to try and be respectful of your time because the last time we spoke, we were speaking for ages. We got to really know each other, but I'd love to share some of you with our audience. And before we get into all of that, would you maybe mind sharing with them the story about how you went from being an accountant to the extraordinary career and all the great things you've done that I'd love to share with them? All right. I try to start at a place where it best starts. So I was actually a science student 
In fact, going into medical school, we call it pre-med. Back in the days, I was in Malaysia, and then there was an opportunity to, you know, join these big four as vacation trainees. I thought, why not? They pay a grand, one hundred US dollars a month. This is obviously a long time ago, but anyway, it, to me, it was a lot of money as a college student. So I joined them, and I really like accounting. So I stayed on with one of the big fours, and worked with them. And got my qualification as a CPA, and I was quite young at the time, maybe like twenty-ish. And at that time, I said, "Okay, I, I better plan this because I was planning to be a doctor." Remember, just a couple of months before that, and suddenly <laughs> I took on a very different career, which I really like. And I look at it and I said, "Okay." The highest point in this career, and this is a long time ago, was、yeah. like head of accounting back then. There was no CFO or finance director roles so long ago, and I thought, okay, that's what I want to be in ten years' time when I'm like thirty. So what I did was I planned to study and qualify. I also planned to learn some skill sets that I need to take with me. I have no idea at that time what it is, but I figure out the firm will provide sure enough tax and all those things. And when you stay focused, this is the beauty of staying focused. By the time I was twenty-seven or twenty-eight, not only have qualified, I was also offered a job to be at that time called financial controller. It's changed to a nicer name. It's a head of finance <laughs> of a multinational company. So I was really pleased with myself. By then, the roles like finance directors or CFOs have also come out in the horizon. These are the big short names, and I also wanted that. And I did get that in my early thirties when I moved over to Hong Kong. And that's when I thought, is this it? Honestly, Andrew, I know you are a finance person yourself. When you reach what you have worked so hard for, and you're like, is this it? And I was it's lost. It's a bit of an anticlimax, right? Yeah, I was a little <laughs> bit lost for a couple of years. I enjoyed the job. I enjoyed everything, and then I also found one thing. I found that I was not so good at presentation. I think we covered that when we were talking earlier,、yeah. right? Before this town hall things, there were like only a hundred of our staff, and I was there presenting the numbers for the year for the first time,、yeah. and I was so scared. My heart was beating out my chest. My knees were knocking, and I remembered I was just looking at my own PowerPoint on the wall with my back face towards the audience. That is my start as a CFO. We'll talk about skill sets later, and of course, I made sure that I have to expand my skill set. It's not just being good at tax, at finance, at debit and credit, but presentation skills. For example,、mm-hmm. you not only present to your own people, your own company, but you present to the board, you present to your clients, you're part of a pitching team, and you've got to look and act the part. Skill set、yeah. number one got to. Do something about it, and the other thing I found I could not ask good questions. All I knew how to ask was I, I don't know about any other accountants listening to this, but my questions in the past was just one of these two. One is, could you do it by when and when? The answer should be yes, and <laughs> if the answer is no, then I have a follow up question is. Why you can tell that、uh, I'm not a very good manager either. So I learned that we have to expand our questioning skills from close-ended question to open-ended to paraphrasing, all these fantastic things. So I've got more to share on this. But the thing about this is, once I expand my other skill sets, 
the opportunities to become chief operating officer of the region. And now I'm the managing director of a global training company in London. So I feel that as accountants, we can go as far as we want to. However, we're held behind by maybe some skill sets that we should accomplish. It's interesting because when you were studying towards a CPA, mm. a great qualification, we've many CPAs listening. And to go from there to realizing I need to do something about my presentation skills, which if I wasn't to know that, I wouldn't have guessed that you needed to enhance your presentation skills. I would have just assumed you're always like that. Always a great presenter and asking great questions as well from our previous conversations. I just sensed that Quinn, like that took me by surprise. So did someone point that out to you? Did you recognize this yourself? How did you first identify that? And what sort of things did you start doing differently that allowed you to be open to learning these new skills? So if I take a step back when I was like the accountant or finance manager, financial controller, that type, basically I just have to work really hard on the worksheets and that's something I'm really good at. So I didn't feel any stress doing it just long hours yeah. and analyzing things so excited and you just sit next <laughs> to your boss like and you it. tell him yeah that's yeah. easy yeah, yeah. that's yeah. when i became finance director and it was also quite easy except one time the town hall i remember i was asked by my boss together with the other department heads like the it and so on and so forth to follow up after him to present of course i presented the numbers and things I worked the whole night to 3mm. I needed my PowerPoint to be perfect because the <laughs> yeah. PowerPoint did all the talking for me. I was just reading it. I, and I thought, okay, I can read this. But I found that when I stood up in front of the 100 people that I know, I've been working there like a few years. And I was feeling so terrible. Like I said, really, my heart was, my ears were turning, my face was turning. I thought I'm going to die of a heart attack. And I thought, this cannot be right. How can it be? That was a one point of my life I felt I got to do something about this. I cannot feel this bad each time I have to yeah. present. Well, once a year, but that would be enough, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you don't like it. There are three things I really dislike. First is parking. You live in parking. Hong Kong, you never want to park your car. It's difficult. Second <laughs> is driving. It's equally hard to drive a car in Hong Kong. The roads are tight and buses are big. And the third is presentation. I say when I live in Hong Kong, I don't have any of these three because I take the bus and the metro and I overcome my presentation. Now let's talk about presentation. So I hired a coach and I said, please teach me how to present and I remember his saying it was so good he said first of all I want you to know that you graduate the day you do not need a presentation slide standing behind you and I look at him horrified <laughs> no. yeah. what do you mean by that what, what do you mean no I'm paying PowerPoint. you I'm paying you to help me be a better presenter right and no powerpoints yeah, yeah yeah part of it was like help me do these powerpoints <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Said, yeah. No do you have any powerpoint tips <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly how, how do you make the yeah. powerpoint look nicer yeah. anyway yeah. he said when the day you can present without a powerpoint and you put black slides in that's when you are a good presenter as long as you need your PowerPoint, you're not as good. At that point, I was thinking like, you're almost asking me to stand naked in front of my audience presenting. That's yeah, how it feels yeah. without the PowerPoint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we practice. So we have two slides and we have a black slide. And the black slide is when I tell a story. 
And I found for the first time, so I have two slides, maybe like financial performance or whatever. And then I have a black slide where I tell a story. Of course, I have to prep for my story. For example, the story. In this world, there are three types of people. And then he said, pause. And I have to pause down. Pause is the second hardest thing, Andrew. And you oh, pause, you're like, what? Oh, oh, no. Uh, but anyway, pause. Yeah. And then you can see the heightened curiosity. They're interested. And then, okay, I said, the first type is pause. <laughs> and, and so even pausing, I have to learn. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and so yeah, the first type is, is uh, people who make things happen. People like you, Andrew, who make lots of podcasts, reach out to lots of people. People like you. The second type is pause. And, and then some will start to fill in for you, right? And the second type is people who watch things happen. Let me see. The last type is, and then I pause even oh, longer. Very good. You got them on the edge there. Like yeah, and then they there. really want to know, and say people who do not know what happens. From that little exercise I did, the black slide, and I was telling, well, this was on the story, it was engaging. And I found, wow, it's so different when you have no busy PowerPoint behind you. You're talking to them, you're engaging them like on a one-on-one. -on -one. And that's when I find the power of good presentation. You can do that in pictures. You can do this in town hall. And imagine as an accountant, we have so much facts in our hands. Oh, so many. Yeah. Important yeah. ones. Ones that you want, let's say if you're bored, you want them to buy into decisions. So the one way is to engage them. So all this pausing allows them to digest what you've just said and participate. So I now love presentation. I prepare not what's on my PowerPoint, but I prepare how to engage and get the buy-in that we need as accountants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's really great advice. You're the first person to actually deconstruct that for us, Quinn. Part of doing the, the podcasting myself, we're just trying to get attention. So you put headlines with the, the shows and the first few lines are key. And actually that one you said, like there's three types of people. That's a great way of starting a conversation because like people want to know what are the three types? Most people are curious types. They want to know, okay, what are the three types of people and where do I fit into those categories? I've had explained to me the two types of people. There's the people that get it and the pause is key. <laughs> the pause is so key and the people who don't get it. <laughs> so anyway, that's a really good lesson. I know I appreciate you sharing that quick. In your current work, presentation skills are key, but that transition from finance leader to COO to MD, managing director, moving between different countries, different continents even, is there any sort of particular learnings or advice you could share with our audience looking to do similar themselves, move from a finance role to more of a broader uh, COO or MD role or moving between continents? Well, let's uh, tackle one at a time. I, I think moving, <laughs> moving goes, different, bang, different bang, bang. <laughs> roles. I, I must say I didn't prepare for this. I must say that I was preparing for a role in finance. I really love finance. I say the power of information on our hand. Do, do not disregard that. It's so ah. powerful. And the power that lies in us when we can help make better decisions together with the board or department heads, whoever are in your team to help you make better decisions for the company. So... As long as we continue in this role using finance numbers, I feel that the world is our oyster. You can go into any role you want in the company. I'm talking about COO, MD, yeah, yeah, may yeah. maybe even HR, because oh, with yeah, HR, our biggest resources is people. Yeah. 
they cost us the yeah. most. Most of the professional <laughs> so, firms, at least 65% to 80% of the cost is people cost. Yeah. Why shouldn't an accountant be in charge? Now, I'll counter argue that. An accountant should not be in charge if all you care is numbers. So here's another story. Now, 20 years ago, I, I was very accountant and I was very happy to be the accountant. And one day the boss said, I'd like you to take up HR with me. And I looked at him like, what does this really mean? Where did I come from? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like so asking me wrong. to build a rocket of spaceship. <laughs> something right? yeah. But I recovered quickly and well, I like to keep my job. I, I said to yeah. him, okay, what we could do is, boss, you take the soft bits, I take the hard bits. And that I mean by I take care of the tax, the payroll, the yeah. policies, all yeah, things yeah. accountants are good at. Yeah. And, and it's good to cross over there. And you do all the grievances and all the other things, whatever they are, <laughs> too difficult for me. And no matter what happens, they don't care because then very soon after, there were people coming to my office to seek advice, so they speak, say, uh, my PA, back then we still have PAs, personal assistants, say, so, uh, my office looks like the doctor's hall. People have to sit on little <laughs> stools waiting for their consultation. Do you have magazines or anything like that? Oh, I should have, have right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Oh, I come to magazines. Sense yeah. up. So anyway, I was distressed because these people came into my room. They didn't ask, so what is the tax rate in Ireland? And I'll say X percent. I'll tell me how much is it. I don't mm. even know. Oh, 12 and a half corporation tax rate now. But wow, personal tax really varies. Low. Yeah, we pay 52% personal tax here. Oh, my on, goodness. On yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you learn something every day. Okay, so you say 12 and a half and off you go. And then another one comes. So what is the personal tax rate? Oh, here, uh, 52%. 50% here, we make. Yeah, yeah. Poop, off you go. I was so used to being mis-know-it-all in the office. And suddenly these people come to us and say, Andrew, I have this person sitting next to me. And, and then you look like, and? And, blah, 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 and? and even when they finish the entire story, I'm still looking at them blank like, I, I don't have the answer. <laughs> and I remember at that time, I don't have the skill set to even ask yeah, questions. I... So I sit there dumbfounded. Okay, what do I do now? I'm looking like a fool here. And that's when I took up coaching to learn how to ask quality questions. Mm. And along the way, when I learn how to ask good questions, and I'll ask, okay, I hear what you say, and I repeat some of the key points, and then say, what do you plan to do? Simple question. And, and they tell you. And so I find that the people come to me, they're not asking me to be the expert, but they're asking me for permission to share their solutions. Interesting. Yeah, I don't want to stereotype all our listeners here, but I do find the ones, again, it could be in any role in business, but the ones that make the best transition from finance professional to finance leader or any leadership role, is just uh, holding back a bit from offering the solution themselves. You could help it. <laughs> very smart people, yeah. I'm very good at connecting dots and we're very curious and we like to be right and we have loads of good answers to things. Why wouldn't our solution be useful? Quinn, the amount of times I put my foot in it just by blurting out the solution and I thought it was a brilliant solution, but that's not what people want. No. They want people to hear out their solution and I think that's a key value add if we can just hold oh, yeah. ourselves back a bit and just listen. And just let people give us their solution and ask intelligent questions to try and even make it better. Correct. That's what people are looking for because they recognize this them. person's smart and support them. Yeah. And How can we go make it happen together? Yeah, exactly. And so 
I remember that after the first week, I was like HR of everything. Uh, I, I make a joke uh, to my PA. I said, for years, I just have to bring my brains and my calculator to work and I've nailed it. I seriously can. Most of us can. But then for that week, I have to bring my heart and my years yeah. to work. And even then, I was struggling. So there were more of me at work and I was so tired. I go home, I'm exhausted. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I was going to say, that's like the toughest bit of being a leader. I'm actually supposed to enjoyable, but I think it's actually much harder work. It is. You know, it is. Numbers are so easy compared to it. You so know. coming back to the point about from accountant to real manager of a business or a big business, like when I was COO, we were in 18 cities across Taiwan. Uh, Hong Kong, Macau, China, and Korea. And even my direct staff, I have like about 250 of us. And wow. in direct, we have yeah. 4,000. So there's lots of listening to do, especially when you're right at the top, people want to come and talk to you. So the point is that we have to be there for them. And what I found that you also give them a framework. So they just don't come to your office and then come up with everything. Uh, yeah. Then you go and yes. unpick things. You know, it's too hard. So you yeah. also coach them. You give them a framework. Like the way accountants, if you have an investment, I give you an investment appraisal template. You fill it out. We don't have exactly. to do that. But really, when they come, they know that they can tell me the problem. They can tell me kind of the solution they have in their mind and perhaps the cost, the timeline or something and where they're going to find the money to fund this. So the more they can <laughs> connect these dots in the framework, the more that we get through quickly in one meeting. So they learn to work with you. This is some tips for us accountants. If we want to be at this level, to be managers, to let ideas bubble up and put it into a project, we have to help them. Yeah. And it works I, like I, magic. I, I... Yeah, and I loved your point on frameworks as well. It's just having those reference points. Again, like if you think investment appraisals or financial statements, everything's got a place. So if you can show people, like we were showing how to do financial statements and investment appraisals, but maybe help it with their problems as opposed to investment appraisals, it's a similar principle. There's a framework to walk through, whether what's the goal you're trying to achieve here or what's the current reality or the options we need to pick and do you need any resources or anything to get you going? They're great questions. They go to that framework and then they're off and running and exactly. you made the most of each of your time. What a great tip, Quinn. Yes. Now everybody can have. be MDs. <laughs> yeah, that is going to be the challenge because as people go up and up organizations, there's only like a handful of people at the top. But I do see finance professionals as being finance leaders, maybe not without the title of an MD or a COO or whatever. We can demonstrate leadership in different ways. We can. You know, and, and become very valuable. And we do. Yeah. Sometimes we might not get the title. Maybe for years I didn't get the title, but we are equipping ourselves in this manner. So when the opportunity yeah. arise, uh, luckily for me it did, then it's not difficult to transition over because we already have those skill sets that when we are finance partners to our CEO, well, that's it. It's just preparing the ground. And there's an expression you shared with me previously about strategic learning. All right. And actually, you mentioned this word earlier in our podcast is focus. Is that what strategic learning is about? It, it's, it's having the right focus and the right things or is it the right plans? How, how do you view this strategic learning? Why is that important to you? So they probably, now I'm just making all this up as I go ahead. With you, okay. I think there's That's one my type. secret gone out the bottle as well. <laughs> so two of us. One is like niche learning. Like when we are learning to be accountants, it's very niche, it's very sharp and we've got to learn all the consolidation, yeah, it whatever is. it is, yeah. right? Then there is broad-based learning. You learn everything because it's so fun and the internet is always there and they're like, I don't know, Udemy. And there's so many things interesting anyway. 
The oh only, God, yeah. <laughs> only problem is we don't have so much time for everything. So yeah. where I come into a middle ground is strategic learning. So with strategic learning, obviously there's a strategy and there's a bigger vision. So what is it that you want to be? So we come back to the accountant MD kind of talk that we're having. So accountant has a lot of skill set, great skill set. And the MD level, it's not about you being the top accountant or top salesman. You, you are, uh, how do you call it, uh, Mr. Everybody or Miss Everybody. So for you, is how do you engage and connect with everyone? And that needs communication skills, listening skills, different skill sets that probably some accountants may not have, but have mm-hmm. to acquire on the way. Like me, I mentioned, learning how to ask questions. It sounds silly when I say it now, but I had to learn it. I really actually write it in my notebook and I have to remember. One great example is how you make that person feel at ease. So for example, I'm with you and I want to ask you a question. So I I will say this, Andrew, I would like to ask you a question just to prepare you. Yeah, see, that's a really good one. Actually, you just reminded me of something there about writing these good questions down. That's how we've tended to do things like I will grade a checklist. So have we asked all these questions? But just that first point in connecting with people and asking people, can I ask you a question or do I have your permission just to ask a few questions, mm-hmm. puts people at ease. Ah. gives them some of the power back, gives you a sense of authority and involvement in the process. It's great. That was missing off our checklist. That's going in now. <laughs> Get, yes. <laughs> create an environment where people feel at ease. Yes. Correct. We, as MDs or higher up, even as yeah. accountants, we have a lot of authority. When we show that level of respect, you have people yeah. relax a bit and perhaps they become also more creative and more open when they talk to you. Good Solutions point. come this way. So it's just about helping other people be natural with you. I have to learn this. Not that I am an unnatural. It's just that as accountants, we are always short of time. We go bum, 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 bum. Five oh, questions, yeah. out Com- you go. <laughs> yeah, no, no other team is as short a time as accounting and finance. Definitely not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Debit or credit, well, we you know, full like Yeah, exactly. I know we spoke a lot about career, but there's some fantastic work you do, which I think is extraordinary, and I'd love to share it with our audience. Sure. It's a small bit of work you started in Bhutan mm-hmm. around... Yeah. Actually, I'm not even going to spoil it for audience. Do you want to take us through that? Because I'd really love to share that with our audience things that we can achieve in our roles and outside of our roles. Okay, it's another little story. So I went on holiday and this was like back in 2014. I went on holiday to Bhutan. So Bhutan is where Kate Middleton and Prince William went in, I think, 2016 and created such a big news over there. So Bhutan is a small Himalayan kingdom. And the people still wear their traditional clothes that they wore thousands of years ago. So if you go fly into Bhutan, not only is this a mountainous country, it's also when you go down there, all the men wear skirts, as do the women, just longer. <laughs> and you feel like you've gone backwards 500 years. It's like a wow. different world. There I went on a holiday and I met one woman who is a village housewife, and she could make beautiful things with her hands. She weaved the cloth. I was thinking, if I could help her, I'd like to buy her a sewing machine so that she could cut the cloth up and make it into like little handbags or whatever. Because people like me, and probably you, do not buy cloth. We buy ready-made products. The outcomes, yeah. 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 So what do I do with a piece of cloth anyway? So, <laughs> <laughs> And that's how it started. She didn't want my money. And I thought, okay, I said, how about, of course, she didn't understand any of this in English. It was translated through my driver. I said, how about you make me a few scarves and I will sell it for you. Now, I'll be very honest here. I've been very honest in my TED Talks about this as well. I wasn't thinking about selling anything. It was just a dignified way of giving her money for the sewing machine. 
However, she really made really beautiful scarves. In fact, so colorful and beautiful. I call it uh, Weaving Rainbows in the Himalayas as one of my books dedicated to the weavers. So I took it, the eight scarf she made for me. I put it on my bed in the hotel and took a photo. If I knew Anna Bakarma, that's the name of the social enterprise, would be so famous today, I would have taken a nicer photo and do justice to my photographic skills. <laughs> I didn't know. I just took a photo and then I modeled for it. I got the lady to model for it. I put it on my Facebook and I said to my friends on my Facebook, hey, guys, want to crowdfund a sewing machine for this lady so crowdfunding back in 2014 was like the hot thing to do you know? yeah that was hot back then yeah. so accountants you see we've got the skill sets to do yeah, <laughs> to move exactly. the earth we were at uh, a little bit like Winston Churchill just on that day we sold over 40 pieces I was elated I've never sold so well in my entire life and I went to this lady, I took out all the US dollars I have. It's not even a thousand yet, but close to a thousand US. I put it in her hands and I said to her, please make me 40, I can't remember how many, 40, almost 50 scarves quickly before I go home. <laughs> yeah. And the next thing was she could not stop crying. And I thought, oh, oh what did I do now? <laughs> you are in trouble. And I asked my driver, like, can you ask her what's up? And she said through her tears, I've never seen so much money in my entire life. Wow. And this is money I earned. And I thought, oh my goodness, all I did was take a lousy photo, put it on my Facebook, and my friends all participated, and this woman's life is changed forever. And this is the story of my accidental social uh, entrepreneurship. And <laughs> I, even then, I thought, okay, I'll take the scouts home in my bag, get them out of me, and that's it. And then my friends started to say, I really like them. Can I have a few more? And I'm like, what? Let me see. So I called the driver and said, could you go to the village and get a few more? And in 16 weeks, not even 16 weeks, we sold over a thousand. By then, the whole village was working for me. I was panicking. <laughs> what? And monks from Bhutan were carrying it on their backs over to Hong Kong and go to the temple to collect it. This is really underground. And I'll give money to the monks. Please take it to the village, please. But that's how it started. But again... I think this is where I'm really thankful that we have that discipline and the rigor in our training. I quickly wanted to build up systems because we cannot run like this. It's impossible yeah. to expect monks to be your carriers of your scarves and your money. And you know. So we started to standardize. We have training programs. And today it is what it is because what we learned back in our days as young accountants we can put it in place you shared the brief story with our audience here there's so many more things you did within <laughs> there a lot of effort went in but a lot of application of stuff that we might take for granted as you said the standardization of things that's what accounting standards are you know, i share another systems. funny one yeah go so, on yeah with the women because they're really illiterate and they're village housewife they probably never step out of their village one of the things i needed them to know is we're running an international business here this is yeah. not a Bhutanese <laughs> business so yeah. to Bhutanese people this scarf goes everywhere in the world and we won awards so i i would sit down and do budgeting with them i would teach them about foreign currency so i have this session with them it's even in a video i got a world map on the floor and i got cucumbers chilies and onions uh, from their kitchen so i put one cucumber in us the us map 
put there. I put 60 over chilies on their Bhutan map, which is a small place, so it's overflowing everywhere. And I put eight onions on Hong Kong. But basically what I was telling them is one US dollar, which is cucumber, is equivalent to almost eight Hong Kong dollars, which is the eight onions, and 65 <laughs> or 64 Nutrum, their local money. So that's how I teach them. And then later we remove the cucumber, we start putting coins and real money, and they're looking at the different currencies, Japanese notes. And, and this is how when we work with people, for example, we are accountants, we are so good with our jargon, but we could be working with the IT person or marketing. And here we are talking about things that you don't even know what we are talking about. But if I when I bring things from the kitchen, it was not threatening, it was fun, it was easy. And before they know it, they were playing with real money. This is monopoly, real money going on there. All I needed them to know is this. I want you to know that in different countries, we have different currencies. You don't need to remember, is it 8 or 1 or 64? All you need to know that it's not the same. Please ask the question. Because when you don't know, you don't know. That's where the danger is. When you know you don't know, just ask. That's where I needed them to be. A great example. Also, a great question as well, actually. There's plenty of things we don't know we don't know, and that's where we get into really big trouble. Yes. <laughs> but we know that we don't know, then actually that's quite powerful. We can do something about that. Ask a question. Especially like here we are in the world of finance. We are more connected than ever. Thanks to your podcast, you've connected so many people sharing the golden little advice to us. We can also leverage on this to ask questions to 100%. one another. That's, Someone will surely know. Yeah, and that was the whole premise behind putting the show out there was yeah. just to allow us to scale our knowledge, sharing with each other. It's like this will always be accessible for anyone interested in finding out a social entrepreneurship or how to make the transition between finance or COO or MD roles. It's like it's adding to that heritage. We can share these stories. Again, want to be respectful of your time. We could talk for ages like we did last time. <laughs> so I just want to be careful here. You know, you've been giving us some really great advice, Quinn. But what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? I've got many, except it was very interesting. Is one of the podcast guests you have. And when she said she got that advice, I was thinking that's the same advice that I got. So if you don't mind, I'm going to repeat that because that's so good. If if it's so good, it's worth hearing again, It's worth hearing. So I must say at different stages, different advice apply best. At this stage in my life, this one was really good. So the advice is if money could solve the problem, let money solve the problem. So I first heard this from a gentleman who's in Hong Kong who's very successful in business. He's, he's quite elderly. And it turned out that when I asked your guests, I said, do they know each other? Because that was the advice I got too. That apparently her father who gave her the advice is friends with this gentleman oh who gave me God. the Such advice. Such a small world, isn't it? <laughs> right. So maybe her father gave this guy the advice who later oh passed it on to me. That is so nuts. And this is where, again, we, I mean, we are no longer in our 20s, really. I was saying 100 US dollars out. I'm not earning 100 US dollars anymore. Where if I did, then maybe this advice is not applicable. But we have a little bit to spare. But I'm still of the mentality, if I could do it myself, I'd do it myself. Yeah. So when this gentleman gave me this, I was like, I don't really like your advice. And it's also because you have much more money than me. That's why you can say this. He said, oh, God, no. yeah. He said, no. He said, when you free up your time, let's say, for example, I could get a house cleaner to come and clean my place for £15 an hour. It's a lot of money. 
because <laughs> but at the same time when that person does it i'm freed up to do other things that i'm better at yeah and and not only do i get freedom out of time to do what i like but perhaps i've got more mind space to think about what i need to think about so the the thing is that we're talking about maybe two hours that 30 pounds but there could be other things that's going on that we are trying to save a bit of money but in the end we exhaust our time which is a very limited resources since i started practicing this i find that i have much more time to think about what i want to think about you talk about strategic learning just now to spend more time on strategically building up the skill set that i need whether for my life or for my career especially in the last 18 months when i moved to london to work there are much more things that i need to learn we never stop learning but where are we going to find the time so time where you can outsource we outsource so this is the saying that we said before outsource the doing keep the thinking you know what that is a template for future career success rewards meaningful work uh, whether that's inside or outside of our finance uh, careers there's so much technology out there that's low cost that we can outsource yes. a lot of things to and i would say maybe that's been embraced in the wrong way in terms of cost cutting, if we in terms of freeing up time, are we then developing the right skills to make the most of that time? Exactly. So that's why it needs to be strategic. And I exactly. encourage our listeners to take that advice to heart. I find again, and in my own journey, you look back and it's like, why am I spending a few minutes haggling over ten pounds or twenty pounds <laughs> or whatever? I mortified my my son once when we were getting a new bed. We just bought a house. We didn't have much money. I don't. I hadn't even qualified at that stage, and I was haggling over ten quid. And my time could have been spent better elsewhere. No, I got the 10 quid, but it mortified my son. So that was actually probably worth it because we have that memory. <laughs> Do you remember that time where you were absolutely mortified and wanted to get swallowed up by the floor? Yeah, so I completely agree with you. I think maybe we should be a bit cuter and a bit more aware of how we spend our time mm-hmm. with an eye on the now and the future. So no, I like that. I think it's great advice. It um, is, cool. uh, especially for perhaps uh, people who have a number of years in business or career we have a bit of resources as in financial. Yeah. So yeah. we've used that to free up our other resources, which is time. Now time yeah. is more precious. So after practicing what this gentleman tell me, I've been practicing for a few years. I'm not saying that I, I take a helicopter to work, right? <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, yet. Within reason. Not, yeah, no, there's time. <laughs> we need more time now, right? <laughs> but having said that, where you can, the yeah. amount of resources it frees up for us is the brain space, which is so invaluable, and the time. Really try it. I have been blessed by this piece of advice. So it was Alice Tang who shared this in the last podcast. And I am grateful to her for reminding me this very good practice. Yeah, I love sharing the credit as well. It's great. Great quality. So thanks again. Now, we've spoken about a few books in our conversations. Quinn, is there any book you'd recommend your audience or resource you'd recommend your audience go check out? So I was just reading this book like practically yesterday I've been traveling around with this book is called uh, Culture Map it's written by an American lady who lives in France with her husband and children and she's now all into cross-cultural management as we whether we are accountants or MDs whatever role we play even a small role and in the world of Zoom and all this we tend to work with people from different countries, different culture, whether really like separate countries or you could be sitting in the same place. Like in London, I'm sitting in the same place with so many different ethnicities. 
Oh, yeah. And it's so important to understand the nuance. We're always in a hurry to make decisions and we don't read into things that are there. For example, one of my favorite ones, and quite a few of us have this, for the first time I went to India to present to a group of employees this great new HR and initiative we have as the COO. All that of them were really shaking their head. Oh, this is not going well. But then later, I find that their half not half shake is actually, yes, I agree. So we, we were not up and down. They were going like this, not really. Yeah. After a while, I, I got used to it because it was good because I was saying, why are they all doing this? And I was a little bit, because I told you as a presenter, now I really watch people's reaction. And yeah. I try to be more energetic if the energy falls or I'd be cooler. Yeah, exactly. But then I, I didn't know how to react to this. No, I don't like this. No, I don't like this. Okay, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> but no, actually, they were agreeing. But because they were smiling. So I was a little bit confused, but very quickly I learned that. And also little things like when you work with the Japanese, they are very systematic. They need to agree at every single point, which is very frustrating. But at the same time, I found that when they do, later when the project goes into action, it's very smooth. It's, so it's learning. It's a lot of learning. And this book is really helping me. Only chapter two and I go, oh, no, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking about where I made those mistakes in the past. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. But look, that's where knowledge is power. And it's not just knowledge is power. It's actually putting it into action. That's how we get more wise and gain wisdom. A great recommendation. There's, there's one tip to this culture. Yeah, like, sure, for yeah. example, now I work in London and I know the Brits, they say it's quite nice. Actually, they say it's lousy to get out of my face. <laughs> so I actually have to tell them if it's not nice, please don't say it's quite nice because I hear it as it's quite nice. It, it's just the yeah. way I am. So sometimes it's setting this and when they say it's quite nice, then I actually sit and say, is it really quite nice or you don't want this? Because I'm not sure which one you are talking about. And then they smile like, oh, sorry, Queen. <laughs> we yeah, don't want yeah, this. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we're very similar in that regard. We just like people to be clear. Yes, just tell us, yes, don't, don't yes. do that badly or anything. So the no, tip I, I is to ask yeah. a clarifying question. So I actually say, if you don't mind, I need to ask a clarifying question here. Oh, and yeah, I ask, and the more I do it now, I'm with them for 18 months, they understand that sometimes I may not get what they really want to say to me. And they say, no, Queen, for your benefit. They always start, I, okay, I better listen. I like that. Well, it's good. And that's very respectful in a very good way. Uh, Quinn, that's fantastic. But I suppose, again, if our audience wish to continue the conversation, where's the best place to connect with you at? Ah, it's a good question. LinkedIn's yeah. a good one. So LinkedIn okay. would be at Queen SQ. So Q-U-I-N. And then SQ is actually my Chinese name. So my name is actually Siu Quinn. Except that if everybody goes around that, they, they will be stuck with by the <laughs> yeah. So Queen and SQ and you can find me on LinkedIn. I'll, I love to connect with accountants and non-accountants as long as I think this is such a, a lovely place. Even in the face of pandemic now, we all have our different ways of managing this environment. But at the same time, there's so many more people who are reaching out to help each other. And I feel very blessed. So I'm very grateful to have met you as well and have conversations and listen to your other guests on your podcast. And you ah. feel like you're not really alone. You're so not many alone. people no. so true. that are out there. So please reach out. I, I'll be so happy to meet more people, especially now that I'm working in Europe. It'd be great to... Well, I think you're talking about 170 countries, right? So I'm looking forward to... Yeah, 170 countries. at the moment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always do wonder, Quinn, is do people have better things to be doing in some of those countries? Like there's wars going on in some of them. 
And some of them, they're like, they've got like listeners in Greenland. And mm. it's just, yeah, people really find this stuff interesting. Understanding what works well, what could work better. People sharing their stories, helping improve confidence, straightening the, the career curve and so on. Oh, look, it's great. It's really humbling, actually, the amount that people are willing to give back and share their stories. Yes. And definitely makes it much easier for the rest of us. Yes, um, definitely. So. And I just want to say that we there's a Chinese word called uh, crisis. So it's made up of two words. I'll just say in Cantonese, ngai gei. So ngai means danger. Gei means opportunity. So mm. what it means is when there's danger, there's always opportunity behind it. So we are in dangerous times in many ways. Yeah, Jobs are affected, lives oh, yeah. are affected, yeah. families cannot meet each other, so on and so forth. It's not a nice time to be in. But at the same time, do not waste this danger. Like Winston Churchill <laughs> said, look for the opportunity behind it. And there are lots. And this is where I keep myself motivated by <clears throat> looking for the opportunity. And again, thank you for... Yeah, having me on this podcast and thank you for introducing me to SITN so that I could listen to other great people as well. This is certainly an opportunity that I didn't see coming. Oh, I love that. What a great way to wrap up on those parting thoughts, Quinn. Thank you so much for investing your time with us today and being such a great mentor on Strength in the Numbers. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. It's my pleasure to be here with you, Andrew, and all your audience. Thank you so much. Hey, Quinn and show business. They say- so there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.